I want to address a few questions that were asked here. The first one uh, originally came from somebody who asked it at the Aguda Convention. His question was like this. We know that you're not allowed to rebel against the government in Golos. And uh, for Jews to say we refuse to follow the law, we're not allowed to do that. A civil disobedience to say we Jews refuse to accept the law, no, can't do that. If so, what's the difference between saying we refuse to accept the law because we're going against the government versus what the Agudas Yisrael did? Dahainu, they took the they took New York State to court. They took them to the Supreme Court. They said, we don't like this law. It was talking about the law that was restricting the amount of people that could daven in a shul because of COVID. They say, we're not masking to that law. We're going to file a lawsuit. And they actually won that lawsuit. Now, what's the difference? That was the question that was asked. And the truth is, first of all, a answer that was suggested that... A lawsuit is also permitted in during Golos because when Yaakov Inu met Esav in this week's parsha, he prepared for three things, for Dairin, for Tefillah, and for Mulchama, and a lawsuit's beget the Mulchama. Uh, when to do Mulchama is the discretion of the Gedolim or something like that. This is what I heard was answered over there. This is not correct. It's not correct. Mulchama that Yaakov Avinu prepared for when meeting Esav is not available to us during Golos. We are not allowed to make Mulchama against the Goyim for Golos. And Rabbeinu Bachai says it Mephorish, as does the Kliyokar and the Shalah, when Yaakov met Esav. The Rabbeinu Bachai is openly, it's Mephorish on the Posik of Amachne and that this that Yaakov Avinu prepared for three things is not Nagea Bizman Hazer. Bizman Hazer, we don't make Mulchomas because we're not allowed to. We are bound by the Gzeres Hagolus, by the Sholashvuas, he says, one of which is Shloyimredu Bu'umois. We're not allowed to rebel against the Goyim, and making a Mulchoma would be a rebellion. The Kliyokar says that too, and the Shalah does also in more than one place. We're not allowed to make Mulchamas against the Goyim Bisman Hazer. In fact, um, the Chuvas Marajdam holds that not accepting a Gezeira of the Goyim is a violation of the Sholashvuas, a violation of Marie de Bumois. One Teretz in the Yefei Toyar's commentary on Medrash Rab also holds like that. And when I say that we don't accept it, I don't mean to violate it. If you violate Dina de Malchus and nobody holds you over on the Shalash uh, The Marida is if you don't accept the law. Meaning, a guy gets caught for speeding on the highway and he comes to the judge and he says, I'm guilty, I sped, my wife was waiting for me, I had to get home, she would have gotten angry. That's violating the law. But what if somebody goes to the judge and he says, I refuse to accept the speed limit. I'm not masking. Maybe even he says, I don't recognize your authority to make the law. That's a different type of guy. That's, that's, a, that's a marida. According to the Chus Marajdam, if we do not accept the, any of the gzeris of the malchus, 
meaning we just reject them, we refuse to keep them, you're over on the Shalashvus of Mridah Ba'umais. The Sam Rebbe doesn't hold like that in Vayoyal Moshe. But that's what the Marjdam and one shot in the Yifei are hold. The reason they say that is because we have a Shvush, uh, you shouldn't uh, leave the Golos, you shouldn't force the time, or the, force the end before Mashiach comes. You're not allowed to uh, go up and mass to Eretz Yisrael, uh, like a wall, whatever that means. And also that you're not allowed to rebel against the nations. And the Kasha they ask is why do you need the Shvua not to rebel against the nations if you're leaving Golos? You're anyway rebelling against the nations because you're, you're subjected to the nations. How, how are you going to take over Eretz Yisrael? How are you going to get out of your country? So the first Teretz in the Yifei Tayyar is like this, and this is how, what the Maharaj Dam answers, that the Shvu of Merida Begolus means not that you're not allowed to gain uh, self-determination, no, you don't have self-determination. Just, you're still, in, you're still under the shilton of the Umois, but you refuse to accept the Xeris. You refuse to accept the law. So that's Marie de Umois. The second terrorist of the Yifei Toyar is Adraba, that breaking out of Golos, regular, that's Marie de Umois. Shleyal Yisrael B'choyma doesn't mean to take over Eretz Yisrael forcefully, it means you're not allowed to break out of the Golis even without a Marie de Bumais. Meaning, even if all the nations give permission for the Jews to break out of the Golis, they say, here, take Eretz Yisrael on a silver platter. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, the Zionists, when they uh, took over Eretz Yisrael, had to fight a big war. One percent of the Jews in Eretz Yisrael died in the War of 1948, which was really started before 1948. There was a civil war the Arabs made uh, even before '48, they were they were at war. People were dying then. Just after the British left in 1948, neighboring nations invaded because after the British left in 1948, there were no longer it was no longer British territory. If they would have invaded earlier, that means they would have declared war on Britain. That's a different thing entirely. They weren't going to do that. But in theory, if uh, the Efei Tayar says, even if all the Umois say. Uh, the Arabs would say, come Jews, come Zionists, come, take Eretz Yisrael. It's yours. We want you to come here. We want you to take it over. You're still not allowed because that's a violation of the Xeris HaGolos. Rabbi Yenis says like that. The Maral says like that. The Satan Rebbe in Vayel Moshe says like that. Uh, many people say like that. The Orach HaShulchan on this is somewhat ambiguous. When the Orach HaShulchan brings the Shalosh and Choshen Mishpat, he brings it in context of making a merit or rebellion against the government. He says, Chas Shalom Jews are not allowed to make a rebellion against the government. Malchus Da'arak, Ein Malchus Da'arakia, we're not allowed to rebel against the king or the Kaiser in his days um, because of the Shalosh He does not say whether it means Mamish a revolution to overthrow the government or whether it means just a rebellion against one of the laws like the Maraj Dam. But Everybody agrees that a Marida rebellion, you're not allowed to make against the government in Golos, and therefore the Mepharshim say that Yaakov Avinu, when he prepared for Mohoma, that was a war, an actual physical war, warfare, that was, that's not Negea anymore, Bisman Hazer. This is also a mashma from the Ramban, it's Klor in the Ramban, rather. At the beginning of this week's Parsha, the Ramban says 
that when Yaakov Avinu prepared for three things, he was giving a, a simon, a hint to his grandchildren how to act in Golos. And he says that he prepared for Tfila Dayun and Melchama. And Melchama means not to wage battle, but Melchama means to turn around and run away. That's how we have to act in Golos. Now, uh, people ask a, a, a stira in the Ramban, or seeming stira, because on the Pasuk of Hamachina initial of later, the Ramban brings the Chazal that Yaakovina prepared for three things, Tfildar and Mulchama, and he doesn't add that, that perish, that Mulchama means to run away. It's mashma there, Pashtus, that Mulchama means Mulchama. But it's really not a stira, because the taicha of prepare for Mulchama could mean two things. It could mean prepare for war, meaning prepare to make war, or it could mean prepare for a war. In Loshan HaKodesh, there's no word for a. Uh, the word a, uh, a. So when it says Yaakovinu prepared for Mulchama, it doesn't mean that in the Ramban, that Yaakovinu prepared to make war. It means he prepared for a war. In other words, if Esau was going to attack, he prepared for that. Now, that's what it means, he prepared for Mulchama. He prepared for a war. He was ready for a war. Now, what it doesn't say is, should a war break out, and that's what you're prepared for, how, what do you do? How do you, how do you fight it? Well, obviously, it depends on what the best strategy is. Uh, sometimes the best strategy uh, when a war breaks out is to take up arms and beat the enemy. Sometimes the best strategy is to fall back. Sometimes to run away. Sometimes it's to surrender. Sometimes to retreat. Sometimes to advance. Sometimes well, there, there are different strategies you could do in response to the breaking out when a war breaks out. So Yaakov Avinu, the fact that he says he prepared for the breakout of a war for a Mulchoma, the way he acted in a war doesn't necessarily mean that's the way somebody else would act. So Yaakov Avinu, forget about Golis for a moment. Never put it, set it aside. Yaakov Avinu was a mighty man. Uh, if you could uh, uh, push a rock off a well that nobody else could do, you're a strong man. So if uh, one person comes, let's say, to fight with you, prepare for somebody to, prepare for a fight to break out. So what does that mean? If you're walking down the street at night, and uh, somebody, the guy, you and somebody else, and the guy tells you, you know, this is a bad neighborhood, we have to watch out, somebody may attack us. Now, he's not telling you what to do in case somebody attacks. Maybe it means run away. Maybe it means scream for help. Maybe it means beat the person up. Obviously, it depends who you are. So Yaakov Avinu, who was a strong man, Yaakov Avinu, uh, listen, Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Mitzvah with the Shem HaMafayrish. Elisha brought... Uh, 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 brought down an army of Malachim to save him from the Arameans. Elyar Novi brought down fire uh, from Shemayim. Presumably, Yaakovin also could have used these methods of self-defense against Esav. But in any case, all Yaakovinu said was, all Chazal said was that Yaakovinu prepared for the breakout of a war. What Yaakovinu would do is not necessarily the same thing that he would tell me to do. If, if Yaakovinu was a strong man, he had siyata dishmaya, he could make uh, nisim happen, he had a lot of people with him, 
Would he give me the same advice regarding what to do in case a war breaks out? Not necessarily at all. So it's not a steer in the Ramban. All the Chazal say, and when the Ramban is commenting on the Posik HaMachene initial of Leto, he's just quoting the Chazal. Yaakov Inu prepared for a war. That's it. The breakout of war. Okay. Then, at the beginning of the Parsha, the Ramban is talking specifically about the grandchildren of Yaakov Avinu, that Yaakov Avinu told them to prepare for a war, but their instructions are different. We, we're supposed to prepare for a war always. What does it mean to prepare for a war? We should be prepared. We should know Esav may attack, and we should know that the attack of Esav may be stopped or prevented by Dairon. It may be stopped or prevented by Tfila. But if a war really breaks out, then we have to prepare for the breakout of a war too. And because we're in Golos and we're not Yaakov Avinu, we have to prepare for a war. That means be ready to run. Tfila, Dairon are running. But it's not a steer in Ramban. One, the Ramban at the beginning of the Pasha says, Mephorish, that we're talking about what Yaakov Inu was telling his children to do. He said he's telling his children to prepare for the breakout, prepare for, get your gifts ready. Get your gifts ready. Prepare. You may need to give Esau gifts. You may need to be mispalel. And you may need to run away because a war may break out. Prepare for the breakout of a war. Prepare to run. Vayakavinu means prepare for the breakout of a war, go fight. But for us, prepare for the breakout of a war, we also should prepare. Everybody has to prepare according to who he is and what his situation is. Because we have the Sholosh and also simply because we're much weaker than Yaakovinu, and, and the Prat, we're in Golos, and it's also for us to fight, like Rabbeinu Bahai says. Therefore, the way we prepare for war means for the breakout of a war, we prepare for a war to break out by preparing escape routes. So the Ramban's not uh, arguing on the Rabbeinu Bachai, and the Ramban's not arguing on the Ramban, certainly not. It's all the same thing. Yaakovin was able to fight, but, it, but the, the Nakuda is that Prepared, preparing Lamalchoma doesn't mean prepare to make war. It means prepare for the breakout of a war. Whatever is the best strategy, that's what you should do. For us, the best strategy is to run, and that's what we need to prepare for. For Yaakov Vinu, the best strategy is to fight, if a, and in the case of a breakout of a war. But it doesn't say how to, what to do in case of a war. It just says prepare for a war. Know that a war may come, and know that it's necessary to prepare for it. That was Yaakovinu's advice to his children. Then the Ramban adds, prepare the Melchama to turn and run away. See, the Ramban himself, the, the Loshan is very schwer. He says, prepare the Melchama to turn and run away. Manushach, if it's Melchama, what do you mean running away? Well, Teretz says, because Melchama doesn't mean to fight a war, it means for, the, for a war breaking out. And when, when we're talking in the context of Yaakov's children, it means turn around and run away. And I'll give you another example where this is clear. 
The Kliyakar says that Milchama Bisman of course, doesn't mean uh, physical warfare, because that we can't do. Instead, Milchama Bisman means Shtadlonus, like when we would go to the king and uh, ask him, negotiate for our rights, which Kalisol has been doing throughout the centuries. Now, how in the world does Milchama mean that? How, how does the word Milchama mean negotiating or begging people for? You're right. Doesn't sound like Milchama to me. Adarabah. The Teretz is, same as the Ramban. The Kliyakar understands the word Milchama means Yaakovinu prepared for the breakout of war. Now the question is how you react when the war breaks out. That depends on your circumstances. So in the olden days, sometimes when roving bands of marauders came to a country ready to loot it, the country would say, look, marauders, We'll give you gold, tell us how much gold you want, to go home, and no war. They would negotiate. With a hostage situation there, you negotiate with the hostages to let them go. That's a reaction to an attack of war. You tell them, look, don't attack us, let's negotiate instead. So it's the same thing with Kali's role. What he's saying is that under certain circumstances, meaning when we're not in Golis, we could make war. And even then, we didn't always make war. We asked the Urim Vatumim if we would win. Before we waited, we made war. There's a Mohammed's Mitzvah. Whatever it is, when we decided to make war, we could. But Pizman Hazer, we don't make war. Instead, we don't fight wars, rather. Instead, when a war breaks out, when we're under attack or in danger of being under attack, we have to prepare for a war, meaning prepare to negotiate, to wave the white flag, to offer something in return for our rights to do something, to ask for our rights, to negotiate. It's the exact same thing as the Ramban. But, yeah, Masha, yeah. In Golis, we're not allowed to fight wars against the Goyim. The reason that making a lawsuit is not a problem is something else entirely. The Isser of rebelling against the Goyim in Golis is because doing so is a contradiction to the Gzeris HaGolos itself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Geyser that the Jews should be in Golos. And that means two things. Thing number one, dispersion. We have to be dispersed all over the world, different places, different times. And two, subservience. Not only are we to be dispersed, but we're to be subservient to the Umois HaOlam, when we are dispersed. And subservience means that, according to Marajdam, even that if you refuse to accept their sovereignty, even Legabe one Gzeira, that would be a steer to the Gzeira's Hagolos. But Lecholadeus, it's a steer to the Gzeira's Hagolos if we don't accept their sovereignty per se, meaning we make a rebellion and we say we don't want to be under your, your power altogether. And, and that's the difference between refusing to accept the law versus going to court. One is, the former is, refusing to accept the sovereignty of the Goyim. We refuse, we Jews refuse to accept the law, and the other one, one's breaking the law, more than that, refusing to accept the law, and the other one is 
following the process of the law. When you go to court, what does that mean? It's not merely that you're not breaking the law. It's not just it's true also. One's breaking the law and one's following the law. One's illegal and one's legal. But that's not the point. The point is that going to court is mamish. Being, it's not a steer to being subservient to the Goyim. Who are the Goyim? Not necessarily the mayor, not necessarily the governor. It's the whole body of the government. And in our government, our Malchus, the law of the land is, the government decreed that if somebody has a grievance, he brings it to the judge. In the olden days, you would bring it to the king. You'd go to the king and you'd say, King, I'm subservient to your judgment. Ruvain and Shimon, they had a fight with each other. Judge, what do you say? That's not rebelling against Shimon, even if Shimon is uh, an official, because Shimon himself is Meshubed to the king. The law says, the law says on Shimon, the Malchus says on Shimon, that if somebody has a taina, they go to the king and the king decides. And that's, that's Mamish subservience to Malchus. Over here, the law is, the way, the way the government is set up is that if somebody has a grievance, they don't bring it in front of a king. They don't bring it in front of a president. They bring it in front of the judge, uh, this judge or a higher judge or a highest judge, the Supreme Court judge. Going to the Supreme Court and saying, Supreme Court, whatever you say, we're asking to listen to. Here's our case. Please tell us what is the Das HaMalchus what do the Umay Sa'ilam, you as one of the Umay Sa'ilam, you as the spokesperson, the highest legal authority in the, this Umma, what do you say, whatever you say, we submit? Or whatever you say, we submit to. That's not rebelling against the Goyim and Golos. That's not saying we refuse to accept the law. That's saying, Dafka, we want to accept the law. But please, you're the lawmaker, tell us what to do. Marida Baumois, uh, our behavior in Golos needs to boil down to accepting the our submission to and sovereignty of the Uma in which we live. How we do that depends upon each Uma what it says, but whatever it says, that's what we have to do. But the it could be a king, the it could be an emperor, or the it could be a Supreme Court. Nobody said we refuse to listen to the law. We said we're going to go to the highest lawmaking body and say that the law that was made itself is not according to the, uh, the law of the land. We, we had an argument. What's the law of the land? We say the law of the land, this is unconstitutional. So we're allowed to say, if I can't, we're not saying we refuse to listen to the law. We're saying we want to listen to the law, and, and this is talk of the law, and we're submitting to them. So, so that's the difference. So the kasha was not a kasha to begin with. One's breaking the law, and one's submitting to the law. One's illegal, and one's legal. One's not only uh, illegal, but refusing to accept the law. The other one is actually submitting to the very legal process that we're talking about. However, that said... There is still a separate Indian. That's nothing to do with rebelling against the Goyim. Nothing to do with, with Melchoma. And that's antagonizing people. Besides the Isra of Marida there's another thing that it's not 
included in the Shalosh Ruhus. It's not in, considered a violation of the Gezeris HaGolos. You're not, it's not a breach of the Golos. You're not breaking out of the confines of Golos, but it's a very not smart thing to do because we are in Golos. The fact is that it is unwise And the Torah tells us it does. It could be disastrous if we antagonize the goyim. Everything from everybody knows the kliyokar that when Jews are ostentatious and have uh, fancy houses and everybody sees it, that uh, elicits kina, and kina can lead to sinna, and sinna can lead to disasters. To, you've heard from me already, Rav Henkin's words about Ben Zoyma, that whole mission of Ben Zoyma is talking about how we're supposed to live in Golos, that we're not supposed to uh, impose upon or trespass upon the territory of the Goyim by making them jealous. We're not supposed to show that we're strong. We're not supposed to present as strong. We're not supposed to present as wise in Chochmas besides the other bad things about Chochmas If we become the academics, that elicits jealousy. This is not our territory. It is the territory of the Umayis Ha'ilam Chochmas And if we usurp their territory, it's kind of like Hasogas Gvul. They it could elicit kina and elicit, uh, kina can elicit sinna. This is not. There's no iser the shalashvus to become academics or to make build big houses. It's not a breach, a violation of the gzeres hagolus, but it is very unwise, very ill-advised, and it leads to disaster. And as as Rebel Chonon explains when he says this, that the Torah. That the Torah not only tells us laws, what we're to do, the Torah tells us realities of the world, and the reality is if we do such things, so it could lead to disasters and we don't want it. And therefore, now you have a shikel. If you're talking about extra taxes, you're talking about extra um, burdens that they put on, on the Jews, it's not worth antagonizing anybody. Even if it's not a Marie de Boumois, even if it's not the same as refusing to accept a Gzeira, it's, not, it's, it's certainly not better than being ostentatious or uh, being prominent in the academics. And, however, if there is one of these problems that we're having, one of these burdens that's imposed upon us, that does shteruchnius, now it becomes a shikel, whether it's worth risking this in order to get back the ruchnius. Now, nobody should argue that it's worth violating even the gzeris hagolos for ruchnius. That's certainly not true. We know for a fact that in golos we're going to have a rifian in the Torah, uh, uh, observance of the Torah, rather. Uh, the Rambam says, the Sam Rebbe points this out in Vayel Moshe, he says, look, the Rambam says uh, that the reason why we want Mashiach to come so much, the reason why we hope for Achris Hayomim, is not for self-determination, not for political independence, but rather because we're able to learn Torah 
and, and do mitzvahs much better than we can in Golos. There's the Sor Shabaisa in Golos. And, and that's the Golos. When Hashem made Xeris HaGolos, this is what it was. We know that this is inevitable. But if you're not talking, and therefore any breach of this is the Xeris HaGolos, and there's no excuse to say, well, if we breach the Xeris HaGolos, it will be better for our Ruchnis. There's no such thing. However, if it's not a breach of the Xeris HaGolos, it's just a question like uh, ostentatiousness or usurping the role of the umois ha'olam, of the, the goyim in, the, in academia, such a thing becomes a shikle, uh, which is, uh, if it's worth taking the risk. And therefore, in a ruchniyaz de gazach, it, it could very well be that the shikle is to go to the Supreme Court, even though certain politicians are going to be upset.